It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Welcome back to week number two of the 2021 virtual powwow series here at fantasypoints.com where we break down each and every division in the NFL with NFL films legend Greg Cosell and NFL insider Adam Kaplan and our illustrious staff at fantasypoints.com. My name is Joe Dolan and if you missed last week that's when we broke down the NFC by division so you can listen to those four podcasts in your podcast feed Uh, if you subscribe rate and review we greatly appreciate that and well by virtue of it being only the only other conference in the NFL. We're going to do the AFC this week, and we're going to start today by uh, breaking down the AFC East. We hope you all enjoy this series uh, as much as we enjoyed recording it. Again, if you want to hear about the background of the series, go back and listen to our NFC East podcast. I give a little bit of a brief background into what we do, but otherwise, just sit back and enjoy the show. What is up, everyone? Welcome to part three of the 2021 FantasyPoints.com virtual powwow. We're going to cover the AFC today and tomorrow here to wrap it up here. I am John Hansen from FantasyPoints.com. The usual cast of characters are here with us in the room, and we just chop it up, and we cover all 32 teams. We discuss roles and position battles and Greg Cosell's film review, Graham Barfield, fantasypoints.com, of course, Joe Dolan, and uh, Greg Cosell and Adam Kaplan. Greg Cosell brings with him the film analysis, player breakdowns. Mr. Kaplan can do it all, but uh, he is kind of our insider NFL information man. And uh, without any further ado, I'm not even going to ask the guys how they're doing because I know they're doing well. So it's June. (laughs) How do you know that, John? What's that, Greg? How do you know that? Uh, I could tell from your body language, I'm <laughs> big on that. Okay. You know, I could see you're in a, you're a good place today. I can feel it. You feel it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Plus you got that blue sweater. It's kind of very cheerful and uplifting, you know, after a, a very bad weekend here in, in the Northeast. I wasn't in the Northeast. So I, I know. Oh, I know. I know. Right. I'm the one who's morose and lugubrious about uh, not, not going outside. Basically, <laughs> on I was actually in weekend. LA this weekend. Oh, I know. How was it? It was awesome. Let me guess. The weather was perfect. Uh, Yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't bad being in Santa Monica. No humidity? <laughs> About 68. It was kind of nice. Yeah. Is this yeah, a work, work-related work uh, thing out there? Or? A little Steve Clarkson quarterback retreat. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Okay, cool. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, um, we could do a whole podcast on Greg's trip to L.A. Maybe we will. Um, maybe we'll get into the details. But we're going to cover the AFC East here and the AFC North in part number three of the powwow here. And again, we're, it's a think tank. It's just a conversation. It's fairly informal and we're going to do it as we did last year on the live stream here and let you be a fly on the wall. Essentially 2021 Buffalo bills. We start there in the AFC East, the Kings of the division 13 and three last year, second in points for, and uh, a solid 16th in points allowed under Sean McDermott. And, well, Greg, let's go right to you. We tend to start with you. We did have, at least I did, Josh Allen as, like, my guy this this past year. That said, uh, didn't see this coming, you know, completing 
nearly 70% of his passes, Greg. Um, it was obviously a monumental leap. Uh, what stood out to you about the leap mechanically, decision-making, comfort level, poise? I'm sure all those things did. But, you know, what stood out to you? And do you view it as a sustainable asset, if you will, what he really excelled at last year? Yes, I do. And I, there's not much to say about Josh that hasn't been said. Uh, I think it's – if we're going to look at the Bills from an overview, because ultimately we don't need to say Josh Allen is good, and we don't need to say that they're a passing team and that he's going to put up numbers. We know that, John, right? I mean, that's not news. So, you know, I think the question for people is what they are offensively because people might be – thinking about the back situation they're not going to change their offense this is what they are you know they're not going to, they're not going to spend draft capital on backs they're fine with who they have um they're good this is what they are they're a passing football team i mean they've got davis they've got Diggs. they've got beasley they have emmanuel sanders i mean this is they're not going to change who they are and what they are this team is built around josh allen well, that said, Adam, uh, I understand certainly what, what Greg is getting to, but um, is it fair to say that we need a little bit more contributions from the backfield and specifically Zach Moss? I, I understand totally what Greg is saying, but you know they only ran the ball like 16 times a game with the running backs. That even seems high. Well, there's a reason. They don't run it well. Yeah. But that's, it's not, right. it's, yes, they want to put in Josh Allen's hands, no question. But I could tell you they were frustrated with the run game. Uh, when they when you run it, you like to be able to run with better effectiveness. Zach Moss, you know, he had, before the toe injury, he just didn't look like he did in the pre in the preseason in training camp. So the hope is that he could seize the job. I mean, he's he's more of a grinder type who could maybe sustain the run game. That's their hope. Breed is there as a changeup. Devin Singletary clearly has shown he's not a starting running back. The hope is he's not. I think if we're being honest here, if Singletary is their starting running back, whatever that winds up being in terms of carries. Clearly, Zach Moss didn't look good in training camp and yeah. the preseason because it's all his. It's it, the job is there for him to take. Let's put it that way. Greg, back to you. It does kind of feel like Zach Moss. Like now, he did have that toe problem, which, which probably slowed him down. But it did kind of feel like Moss is that that case of guy needs volume. Granted, pass happy offense, but Zach Moss, as Adam well, mentioned, grinder needs some volume, but not really excelling enough with the few opportunities to get said volume. And again, maybe he never, never gets it, but what'd you see out of Moss last year? Well, I think let's just play off what Adam said for a second. I think they want to run it better. I don't necessarily think they want to run it significantly more in terms of yeah. volume. When they do run it, they want to run it better. Uh, but this is not going, I don't believe that their run pass ratio or their offensive foundation is going to change. Now, Moss is clearly a grinder. Now, they, they still have the personnel to line up with 10 personnel, meaning one back and four wide, which they did more than any team in the league a year ago. I don't think that's going to dramatically change. I think what they're hoping is with their spread offense with four wide receivers on the field that their run game can be more effective. Now, we can debate Devin Singletary. No, one's, no one would argue he's a foundation back. They know that. Does Moss have theoretical foundation back traits? Maybe, but he's not going to be used that way. They just want to run it better, John. They're not going to run it significantly more yeah. in terms of volume. One thing, too, though, I will say, they did win 13 games last year. It would be nice to use him as a closer. 
you know, fourth Well, that's quarter. a different question. No, yeah. right. Now, would there be games, hey, if they're ahead, where Moss, if he's the closer, and he certainly has better closer traits than Singletary, that's no question. So maybe would there be games if that's the case where he ends up with 15, 16, 17 carries? Yes. But their game plan will, is not going to be, we want Moss or Singletary to be, a, you know, a, a, a feature or, quote unquote, even a primary back, John. Yeah, I mean, clearly, not after the season that Josh Allen had. That would just literally be... You and know, I had a chance to talk to Carson Palmer this weekend for quite some time, and he works with Allen. Amazing how my brain just... I guess being in the sun, my brain... I mean, Jordan Palmer. Jordan Palmer, right? Did I say Carson? Yes. Yeah. I talked to Jordan Palmer, yes. See, I'm totally, you know, long flights, L.A. I mean, I'm totally confused. Welcome to my world, Greg. Welcome. I don't know what I'm talking about, John. That's me all 17 weeks during the season. Yes, And he was just talking to me about how laser-focused Josh Allen is. And he's that kind of kid. I've been around him. So I don't think there'll be, you know, we can sit here and talk about numbers, and you never know numbers, but I don't think their offensive philosophy or approach will change. Well, to that point, Adam, they did go right ahead. We figured they would lose John Brown. A lot of people thought, oh, let's just move Gabriel Davis up. But no, they're like, no, we're also going to bring in Emmanuel Sanders. And we'll still three, four wide receivers left and right. Yeah, and Sanders will start opposite um, Diggs. They're going to give um, Davis another year to to get acclimated. They like Davis a lot. They haven't lost any any, uh, belief in him. He's going to be their top backup on the outside. Uh, it's just that they, they, they believe they're going to be on a Super Bowl run and they'd rather go with a veteran right now opposite Diggs. So they're loaded, man. I, I know John and I were debating on our show today whether Allen could do as well as last year. Well, the good thing is, from a positive standpoint, everybody's back. Coaching staff, Brian Dable, surprisingly, did not become a head coach. Uh, Ken Dorsey's still there. McDermott believes in the pass game. Remember, he got trained in Philly. He, know, he, 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 know, he understands analytically that you, you come out throwing. That's not going to change. I would agree with Greg there. The only thing is now, no one could really answer this fully, but I do wonder now how teams will defend them. Now that they've seen the best of Josh Allen, what do they do to try to slow him down? Because last year, quite frankly, there were some times where he was unstoppable. So I do wonder if that will happen, if teams will play him a little differently. I don't think he'll replicate last year, but it's one of those deals where, no, he is not getting another 37 touchdowns. He's only going to get 35. You know, I mean, it's going to drop a little bit. Um, let's go to the fantasy guys here, Graham and Joe, Graham, I'll start with you. There is this little pocket in on the board where you're around 100 overall and you, you do have a couple of backs of note here available and, and Moss is one of them. I kind of like Moss as an RB three pick right around that spot here, ninth round, something like that. I feel like he should grab control of the backfield. Um, not a zero in the passing game. Do, do you, and I haven't talked to you guys about Moss. Are you interested at all? I'll start with you, Graham, in Moss and ninth round, say. Yeah, I think I think if you're going to draft a Bills back, you want it to be Moss. <clears throat> he can play on passing downs. He can pass protect rather than Singletary. Um, but the biggest, <laughs> the biggest thing holding both of these guys back is Josh Allen is their goal line back. Yeah. I mean, Josh yeah. Allen led this team and carries inside the 10-yard line last year. Uh, Moss actually was right behind him. Um, Singletary, even though he had those three or four starts, he was still like a distant third to both of those guys. So, yeah, I think Moss has more touchdown upside. I think he has slightly better receiving upside. But at the end of the day, I mean, both these backs average like eight fantasy points per game when both were healthy. And um, if both are going to be healthy, they're for sure going to be eating into each other. Joe, buying opportunity this year on Zach Moss. A little bit of a post-type sleeper. 
he's the one I want more. Um, and I don't think there's any doubt about that. But John, I gotta say, just just for for from a fantasy perspective, if you're doing best ball drafts, Devin Singletary is literally free. I mean, he is. 13th 14th round remember this is a guy who well, i didn't have any of them last year but he was like a fourth and fifth round pick last year um he is free right now and in the event that moss doesn't step up um you know maybe they decide they're not going to give allen as much opportunity at the goal line whatever we know we know singletary has created some explosive plays in the past you could do a lot worse as like an rb4 or rb5 uh, in best ball than Devin Singletary right now. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not excited about making the pick, but sometimes you just got to make a pick where you say this is going to be a player on a good team who you don't have to invest anything in. Um, he actually caught 38 passes last year, which is more than I thought, and he did that in a split backfield. Um, I, I'll have him on a number of rosters this year simply because he is so freaking cheap. Hey, Adam, Adam back to uh, Greg. You had a thought? No, I just want to ask Adam a question because he follows this more than I do. I believe I just read this morning that they restructured Diggs. Uh, I I get I have not seen that yet. But I, okay, I read just... that this morning. Okay, okay. Do you think that uh, they're interested in Zach Ertz? I would say yes. Earlier in the off season, they were. I don't. I have not heard lately. Okay. Um, you know, yeah, because I, I just read this morning about Diggs. I don't know if anybody else read right, it. But right, yeah. right, right. So the, the question now for them is, tight end, they added a Jacob Hollister. It's been some sort of an underachiever, pretty athletic, but had a big injury history. Knox has not quite got to where they want him, but they do like him. Earth certainly would help them. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, but um, we're, I, I don't know that they're willing to give up what it would take. The Eagles are not going to give him away. I've said that for, for a couple of months now. They want a little bit more than teams are willing to give up. Uh, in terms of draft competition for now and for next year. So we'll see. It, it is. Yeah. I, I find it interesting that, um, that uh, they would restructure Diggs. In fact, Diggs is, if you really look at his contract is certainly worth extending. I'd like to see how they, they uh, restructured it. Adam, real quick. Uh, Dawson Knox, a uh, guy that we've both kind of been enamored with a little bit, uh, very athletic kid, great kid, as we know, uh, did come on down the stretch I just don't see, though, much room for growth with three, four wide receivers on the field. But that's another guy who he's probably still ascending. I think that's fair to say. Well, right? the good with thing Dawson is Knox. he's not going to get doubled. He's he, he's going to get open. You know, he's had trouble staying on the field with health. But the guy's a pretty good athlete. I know they see him as a vertical threat. And he was also on the COVID list last season, in addition to the injuries the previous season. So he's had a little bit of bad luck. It's only been two years, but. He's got to be more consistent. That's, they're looking for him to be more of a factor. I know that, that they'd like to be more of a factor. But you're right. They, they have a lot of pass targets. It's not like he's going to get 60 to 70 catches. But I certainly could see 40 to 50 if he's healthy. Um, do they keep Matt Breda as the third back real quick? Bouncing around a little bit, Adam. What do you they mean? Don't have much yeah. else. Well, no, that's why they didn't sign him to cut him. Yeah, I mean, it's, right. they brought him in as the cha- as a changeup. And now contract structure-wise, the good thing for them is if he looks bad in training camp, yeah, they could cut him and owe him nothing. They only owe him um, hundred about a hundred grand, a hundred, a hundred and four, yeah, hundred forty thousand is all that he got guaranteed. So yeah, to your on your question, could they walk away? Yeah, but they liked it because he's a veteran and he's got better quickness than the other guys. They liked him to be on the roster. They, he that could is, be there. He could be their ten personnel back, John, because yeah. the field spread. Spread and him he out. Gets a crease, that kid can run. So he he could easily be a ten personnel back. 
Defensively, Greg, for those wondering, uh, Tredavious White, if you're, you're going to look at the schedule and say, oh, no, I, I can't draft, uh, you know, Corey Davis or something like that. Uh, is that is that something that, you know, concerns you at all or actually your thoughts on it? Did they did they travel Tredavious White as much this past year? They did not, if I remember correctly. He played, I'm trying to think which side he played, uh, but he did not travel a lot. They they stayed with him on one side. Uh, so they can do that. And my guess is, depending on the opponent, it could happen. But I don't think that's built into what they do. Seems like my uh, camera just went out there, but it's all fine. We can keep going. You don't need me. You don't need to see me, and I will figure it out. Uh, but we'll uh, move on uh, to Miami and the Dolphins and Greg to a tongue of Eloa. I'm not really that optimistic based on him and his tape from his rookie season, but I am very optimistic with how they've, you know, put the team together right. around him. Um, I felt like uh, he was somewhat limited and he even said it this week that, what they were running was very basic and it was a pandemic and all that. I guess the question is based on what you did see from him, the tape that he did put out there, you know, how much of a leap do you think he can make in year two with a normal off season with this uh, impressive group of weapons? I mean, he certainly can make a leap. He's not going to change the style of player that he is. He's a rhythm player. Um, and, and that's what Chan Gailey tried to do a year ago and they had moderate success. And then there were times they didn't, um, but he's a rhythm player. Now they've added the vertical game and he can throw a good deep ball within the rhythm of the offense. They've got two real significant vertical dimensions now in Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle. So that will definitely be a part of their offense. Um, but what Tua is as a player that's not going to change. So he needs to play within structure. He's very quick on his drop and set. He hits that back foot. The ball comes out. Um, he's not overly athletic, so he's not a pure second reaction player. He has to function effectively within the structure of, of the offense. And that, that makes the offensive line an important factor in what they get done. Well, let's uh, look at the backfield here, Adam. and. Well, it looks like it's going to be a little bit of a piecemeal deal. I'm a little surprised they didn't go after a, a better option, a bigger name, a, a more proven player, but Miles Gaskin was very good. You do have Malcolm Brown, bigger back and all that. Uh, this kid, Dokes, is somewhat intriguing. Uh, might this be a backfield where someone kind of comes out of nowhere like, like Miles Gaskin did last year? Or, uh, or Ahmed, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, look, Dokes is a big back. Uh, real good size. If he makes a team, he'll have a chance to get on the field because as, as you and I've talked about probably since mid last mid last season, Gaskins really turned out to be a nice surprise, but you do wonder how much volume he could handle. And now that um, Eric Studisville is a co-coordinator, he's a, he's, he really designs the run game. Um, he may have a bigger hand in kind of the, 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 how they go, how they approach their offense. That's another thing. I know they're loaded at receiver. There's no question. They're super deep now with Fuller and, and Waddle. And you know, Bowden now is uh, – Lynn Bowden now is there for a full season. They're loaded now on, on, at, at the receiver spot. So I do wonder now, will they open it up a little more? We, we just – and because 
we don't have Chan Gailey anymore. So there's a lot we don't know in terms of philosophy. No doubt. No doubt. Fantasy guys, Mike Kosicki. Wow. Very much a tease. He flashes. I think he might be a guy that Tua leans on a little bit. Big, big dude, middle of the field, acrobatic catches, just inconsistent. But with Parker, Fuller, Waddle, there could be some great opportunities for Gasicki. Graham, I know you've been a little bit of a hater. I made a decision last year not to push him, and I really don't regret that. Although there were some times where I was like, wow, this guy is balling out. Do you feel any better this year about Gasicki? Um, I just, I want real quick, I want to wrap back about Tua because, like, you know, he came off one of the most devastating injuries you can have as a quarterback, and he played nine games last year. Um, I, I think we're, I, I, I think we're, we're kind of writing off to a, a little too early. And I, I, with all of these pieces and Gasicki included, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this offense. I still think they're going to be pretty run heavy. Um, but yeah, you know, Gasicki's always been a tough one for me because he's always been so boomer bust and he, you know, his targets just spike week to week. I mean, he'll have a, you know, game where he has eight targets, nine targets, and then, you know, he'll have a stretch where he has two to three. Um, I think that's going to continue. No, you add Waddle, you add Fuller. Um, there's four legit weapons um, that the Dolphins can use. And, you know, Gasicki's a big slot receiver. So I'm wondering how they're going to change his usage now that they have Fuller who can play out of the slot. Waddle's going to line up everywhere. Parker should strictly be on the outside. But, I mean, they have three guys that can line up in the same spot. So, yeah, I've been off Gasicki for all these years, and it's worked out pretty well. And I, I don't really, I don't really see a reason to go back in with you know like Irv Smith going off the same, the same range. Tyler Higby, both of those guys, I think have more, more upside to to lead their you know not necessarily lead their teams in targets, but just see a, a higher share of the targets on their team. Keep in mind they drafted Hunter Long in the third round yeah. too, yeah. and um, that leads me to a question. And I want to, I want to do like. I don't know if this is a question we can answer, but Greg and Adam um, and and anybody can chime in. Graham and I have had this discussion. Um, It is my belief, Adam, uh, and and again, no way for me to prove this. I don't have any inside information, but it is my belief that the Miami Dolphins traded up to number six with the expectation that Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts was going to be there. Um, I, I have a hard time believing and, and I want to talk about Waddle and his skill set, but I have a hard time believing they made that trade, giving up a future first-round pick to go get Jalen Waddle. Um, what are your thoughts? Mm, I, I don't agree with that at all, Joe. Okay. As, as a matter of fact, there are some teams that had Jay, not only did some teams have Jalen Waddle as the top receiver for this draft, I know teams had him as a five, top-five player based on their grading system. So I just okay. think that – I just think they went up and said, okay, here's the guy that we know is this, could be an absolute star. They invested a big pick last year on, on, on Tua. So, no, I just think that they were going to get a top player, and this is, this is the way their board – I mean, this is the kind of the way that their board looked at, w- was looked upon. Jalen Waddle, Greg knows this. I mean, this, this guy's one of the last best receivers that come out of the draft in a long time. I love based Jalen Waddle. He'll sit, yeah. Jalen Waddle. How are they going to use Jalen Waddle, Greg, uh, initially? And, and is that any different than what you eventually see him being maybe by the end of the year? Um, how, how quickly can, I'm sure he's going to be on the field right away, but how quickly can he make a a big impact in your opinion? Well, I don't know what their plan is, but my plan would be that he's a movement player. You can line him up in multiple spots. You can use him on jet sweeps. You can use him on orbit reverses. You can use him in the wide receiver screen game. He's a vertical dimension. They've got two serious vertical dimensions now. 
in Fuller and Jalen Waddle. I mean, you're talking about serious vertical dimension. Yeah. And, and, and Tua doesn't have a big arm, but he's a very good rhythmic deep ball thrower. So that's going to be a meaningful part of their offense. Guys, they also have Lynn Bowden here. So if they have designs on using him. Um, he's another guy that can line up in multiple spots. He's certainly not as refined a receiver as Fuller or Waddle, but you can line him up in multiple spots and you can design, you know, the term now that everybody uses and you can do it with Bowden is manufactured touches. Now, Greg, um, one of the things that fantasy people are going to have have trouble with and, you know, you, you, you look at these situations and you look at the school and you look how guys produced. You liked Henry Ruggs a lot coming out last year, too. Um, he did not produce at all uh, for fantasy purposes. Um, it has that and the opportunity have people ranking Waddle pretty significantly behind um, Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith strictly in terms of opportunity. How did you compare and contrast Jalen Waddle to Henry Ruggs seeing them in the same offense? Um, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think the difference in 40 times is meaningless. They're both explosive vertically. That's what they are. I would say that Waddle can do more with the ball in his hands. Um, Waddle, to me, I, I don't remember recently seeing a guy that could move um, so effortlessly and fluidly at such velocity, like his, his body control and movements at, at the speed with which he moved with the ball in his hands was absolutely remarkable. So I think he gives you a little more in what you can do with them, but you know, you're also dealing in, and again, it's rookie receivers. You know, we we're, we're in an age where a rug's all, oh, he's a bust. Well, we don't, you know, that's a silly thing to say. So, you know, Waddle's on a team where there's a lot of weapons, Joe, I would say that he's probably not going to be a high-volume receiver this year. Now, I could be dead wrong, but they've got a lot of players. Um, I don't think he's getting 130 targets. Yeah, and that's the thing for fantasy. It's just like if you're drafting Jalen Waddle in the ninth round, of course, you know, there's always going to be somebody who's going to yell at us, say, you have Jalen Waddle ranked way too high, but look what happened with Henry Ruggs. So I'm trying to compare and contrast. Oh, no, but just so you know, Joe, the league thinks, I could just tell you from talking to so many receiver coaches, it's not close. Waddle was a Waddle just coming out. We're not based on what Ruggs did last year. We're just talking about right. for the draft last year. Waddle was a much better prospect than Ruggs, cool. not even close. Yes, yes, I would, I would agree with that. Greg, you know, we, we think that Tua is potentially, you know, a ball distributor, it's what he not, is. Not, a, not a cannon, and he's got plenty of options here to distribute it. But based on what you saw from him in year one, and again, maybe we're grading him unfairly coming off that injury. Um, it does seem like he's probably going to need some time. And I granted, I like Tua for fantasy where he's being drafted. But that doesn't mean I'm expecting this big blow-up no, season. I, I think if Stewart stays healthy, he'll put up good numbers. You yeah. know, again, this is separate. This is fantasy. This is separate. You know, there was a GM out at this event that I was just at, and we had some great talks. And, you know, Tua is not viewed as a super high-level talent pretty much by anybody. That's not the point. Um, the point is, is he's a distributor. He's an efficient executor of an offense. They've got a lot of weapons. You know, I think this is going to be a tough deal. You know, I don't – for Graham and Joe here, if they're talking about – and then for you, John, about targets, you know, I don't think we know that. But he, he's a distributor. That's the way this offense will be. And he's a distributor who can throw a good deep ball. So there's a lot of players here. But I, I, I don't envy you trying to figure out who's going to get the targets here. 
Yeah. Well, Will Fuller is not someone I'm high on. Um, you mentioned he's a tremendous vertical receiver, not just a vertical receiver, but he's new to the team. Parker, I'm fine with. I mean, I, yeah, I kind of like because Tua. they have a different offensive coordinator, John. So they're yep. all new. Yep. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I like the weapons for Tua, but no one really truly stands out. No one, and I mean no one. Well, you're talking uh, about fantasy, right? Yeah. I, right, right, right. I mean, Devontae Parker clearly at his very best, and he's had stretches where he's been at his best. He's a really good boundary X. He's had stretches where you'd look at Parker and go, wow, that guy should catch 85 balls for 1,200 yards. He's had those stretches. Now, is that going to happen in the context of this offense? My guess is no, but he's capable of that. Right. I, I got I got to say, I think Devontae Parker is the best bet based on price, based on it's what fair. we'll – probably yep. see target share wise. I think there's a good bet that he leads the team in targets and he's being drafted as the third guy out of all these. Oh, he, I agree. That's fair. I, now, cheap, John. I don't yeah. know how many catches you'll have, but I would, I would bet the house Parker leads them in targets. Yeah. I, I mean, Ful- Fuller is such a bad bet right now. I mean, he's going in the seventh round and that's where he was going with Deshaun Watson as the quarterback. And we just that's don't, ridiculous. we don't know what Tua will be as a, as a deep, you know, a deep thrower. Well, I'll give you the numbers here, Greg, in case you're interested on, you know, kind of what I'm expecting uh, from Tua, if I could, like, you know, call it up here. Um, Tua Tungavelloa this year, man, my document is not operating. Uh, 24 touchdown passes. He did run for three last year. Uh, so maybe he surprises with three, four touchdowns on the ground. Again, he already had the three. 24 uh, touchdown passes. And 3,600, 3,700 yards passing. Does that, I mean, in your mind, nine picks? Does I that, in your mind, qualify year. as numbers? I mean, that's not bad. Yeah, no, no. I, and he might even throw more touchdowns, depending on the structure of their offense. I mean, Adam said they want to run the ball. We'll see how that plays out. The clear best skill players on this offense are receivers. So we'll see how it plays out. That's a great point. And it goes back to the backfield again. Graham, Joe, are you guys uh, have any interest in Miles yeah. Gaskin at his ADP? I I do not. Yeah, John, he's in that Mike Davis range where, like, if you need a running back, they're 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 kind of these nice fallback options where you're like, all right, I I I couldn't pass on these receivers. And as a matter of fact, John, I just read your draft plan, and you are in on running backs early, so we're going to be getting that up. There's a tease for you. Um. But if you're in, if you're one of those guys who who loads up on receivers early, and you're like, I cannot pass up this, these values at receivers, and Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis are going in that same range as like Javante Williams and ETN rookies who you don't really know what's going to happen in terms of their roles. Um, he's kind of one of those safer fallback options. I'm personally more interested in Davis. I don't know how Graham feels, um, but they they are the unsexy. Uh, options there. I, I I wonder if at some point I'd just rather draft Javante Williams and ETN just on based on what they might not what they might be as opposed to knowing what what Gaskin and uh, and uh, oh sure and yeah. Davis are. And yeah. the thing is, John, they showed you last year with Gaskin with Ahmed. You know, they drafted this Garrett Dokes, who's a really good athlete in the seventh round. Yeah, just to say they just don't pull someone out of their ass and he becomes their lead back. Absolutely, that's why I brought up Dokes earlier. I think they'll just kind of see what they see. You can't look at Miles Gaskin as their primary back for the whole season. I'm not seeing that. Greg, 
Um, defensively, I absolutely love that. I actually did our um, defensive team projections for fantasy. And, you know, I had to up their sack totals, obviously, with the, the kid out of Miami being drafted. But I love their day uh, this year. I have them with over 50 sacks. Uh, they get interceptions, a good secondary. I think they're still ascending. Uh, they've gave a couple teams some real problems. You know, the Chiefs last year at times. Uh, they, that game against the Rams was an embarrassment. Uh, what do you think of this uh, Dolphin defense right now? Well, they were highly schemed defense a year ago, and they did a really good job. You mentioned that Rams game. That was a ton of zero coverage. That that was specific to the Rams because of Goff, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but, no, this is a very intriguing offense. I'm very curious to see, um, you know, what they do with Jalen Phillips. I mean, is is this a true 3-4 as a, as a foundation? Um, you know, I will see Phillips might only be a, a sub package player to start, which means you'll still get a lot of snaps, but, uh, no, you're right. They've got good players. You know, they drafted, uh, Phillips in the first round, Javon Holland from Oregon in the second round. I thought he was a really good prospect. I think he could step in and be a starter at safety as a rookie. Um, they've got good corners. I've always liked Justin Coleman as a slot corner. So it's a pretty intriguing defense. Yeah. What about Christian Wilkins right now? Um, what, what has he shown you thus far? Yeah, I haven't Anything? studied him, you know, personally, right. so I, I can't really speak to that. Um, I always liked Raekwon Davis. I loved him when he came out of Alabama. He's a really, to me, a really strong interior uh, defender who's got some pass rush traits that need to be further refined and developed. But I always thought he was a good prospect. And and back to a name Joe mentioned, Hunter Long. Um, what do you think? What is Hunter Long here? Um, an eventual end. replacement for Gasicki, it looks like. Uh, you mean you think they'll let Gasicki go? They won't, I, they won't resign him? I kind of feel that way, yeah. Well, I thought Hunter Long was a really good prospect. I thought he was very similar to Pat Fryermuth, maybe just a notch below, but kind of a complete tight end. And again, I thought that he was the kind of player whose fantasy value be, simply becomes a function of targets you know if he was on a team where they threw him the ball a lot he'd catch a lot of balls it all depends on on what his uh you know target uh, his volume tar- of targets is but i i think he's a pretty complete tight end he's pretty athletic um we saw that at his pro day i i thought that was a really good pick for them yeah and, and adam it's the final year of Gasicki's rookie deal right yes he was drafted yep. in 18 correct yeah, you know, they sneakily have a very deep receiving core of like veterans. I don't know if these guys are going to make it, but Shaquem Grant, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson. Yeah, how about that? I mean, someone's got to go. Well, actually, yeah. more than a couple guys. Mac Collins. Mac, yeah. Mac's there. He's there. To, he doesn't play receiver. He'll play him. But he only played receiver last year because they were down in, they had some guys out, but he's a special teams player only. Right. Preston Williams. I mean, yeah. they, they have very good depth here hey. and uh, pretty good O line, too, obviously. Hey, Adam. Adam, real quick. So with their backs, who's going to play special teams? Because it won't be Gaskin and Ahmed. Yeah, Ahmed didn't play special teams last year. I don't even look at that. Yeah. Patrick Laird. Patrick underground Laird. No, no, I'm just asking because, I mean, they're not going to carry five. So that would mean that either Brown or Dokes is going to get cut if Laird's going to play special teams. No, Gaskin, Brown are are, are definitely going to be on the team. After that, it could be anybody. Okay. I mean, typically teams keep four backs yeah and you're right one of them may have to play the special teams obviously laird but yeah i wouldn't count laird a lot of teams like depending on who it is they don't count the does the guy technically play a running back yeah but they don't use him 
Right. Like Matthew Slater for the Patriots. He's technically a receiver. He doesn't, he they don't, they don't use him as a receiver. He's just, he's a special teams player only. Um, it, there's a, just to, before we go on to the next team, the, just to finish this off, there's absolutely no question. There's an opportunity here for someone to come out of nowhere, whether it's Dokes or Ahmed, whoever exactly. it is. Yeah. Someone to push for a role. I, I would agree with that. And Dokes is a bigger guy, he right? Yeah. So you see, I talked to a scout who uh, had his area. Um, he, he definitely should have been drafted. He's got ability. Passes the eyeball test fairly well. Real good, here. real good size. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on here, New England, and Greg. In your mind, you've been doing this a long time. Everything you saw from Cam Newton last year, better off season, more comfortable, I'm sure, in the offense. But I mean, how much better do you think he can get? Do you think he can stave off a, a Mac Jones for all year? And if they do need to go to Mac Jones. Let's say it's Cam to open the season and they go to Mac Jones. How much of the offense needs to change? Adam and I uh, talked with the uh, Scott Zolak on Friday. He felt that that they, they'd have to change the offense quite a bit going from Cam to Mac Jones. Others I've talked to, like Mike Reese and a couple of other people, don't really feel like it's that much of a change going from Cam to Mac Jones. But starting with Cam... You know, how much better at this point in his career do you believe he can be in year two with this team in offense? Well, it's a really interesting question about the nature of the offense because their skill sets are so different. Mm-hmm. So yes. different. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, every offensive coach has a playbook that fits everything. You know, that's what playbooks are. They take care of everything. It's just a matter of what portion of the playbook you use that fits the quarterback that you have. So it's not as if they have to go buy another playbook. Um, but they're totally different players. I would expect Newton to be much better this year. And by the way, say what you want about Cam Newton, but he's a very proud man. And they drafted a quarterback in the first round. And I guarantee he's not real thrilled with that. And obviously last year, he knows that he got ripped a lot. It was not a good season. It was not a good way for him to start the season with COVID and what happened. It's a different off season. Um, I would expect Cam Newton to play pretty well this year. Now we know based on their personnel that they're going to be a significant two tight end offense because they just don't have a whole lot at the receiver position. So, and they did spend a lot of money and a lot of capital on Hunter Henry and John New Smith. So, and the year before they drafted two tight ends in the third round. So they'll probably be somewhat tight end heavy. Great O-line, top five O-line this year when you, you get everyone back here. A lot of people held held out last year on the defensive side of the ball as well. So it would be a very good environment. Still going to be a run-heavy offense here. And, Adam, uh, these guys, the Patriots, they should, I think, be in on Julio Jones. They are really in need of an outside receiver. They, don't, they are, but I think Greg nailed it. This is going to be a heavy, heavy, heavy 12-personnel team. I don't see them being a high-volume pass team unless they're behind. And I, I, I think you and I talked, John, off the air. We think the defense is going to be improved by oh, yeah. the personnel that they have. So I think it's more of a controlled offense. I agree. I, I just don't see them being pass-happy. Now, yeah, you're right. Theoretically, John, their receiver core is not very good. We know that. But to invest $15 million this season in, in Julio Jones, whether you're not going to be a high-volume pass team, yeah. I'd, and, I'd be and- and potentially have to give up a number one or number two to do that. Right. It, yeah, it, it's a lot. Wouldn't to roll up. it out, but it, on the surface, do they need improve there? Yes. Yeah. But it, 
because they vested no no team is spending more cap space and, and cash at tight end, and it's not close at the tight end position right now. Yeah, and keep in mind too, you know, with Cam, they're going to have a significant run game here. I mean, they've got Harris, yeah, I know. they've got Michelle, they drafted Ramondre Stevenson in the fourth round, who's a very intriguing back. Um, so they've got backs, and and then you add in Newton with the quarterback run game. This is almost going to be, in my view, anyway, an old school team. This is almost going to be like the Patriots were before Brady quite became Brady, where they ran the ball, they played great defense. Um, I think you're going to see them be kind of that team, John. Yeah, very fair. All very fair. Great O-line, good running game and all that. And it's either Cam or a rookie quarterback. I still would say that they, they haven't done enough on at wide receiver um, other than Nelson Aguilar. We know about the tight ends and all that. I tell you what, though, if they did get Julio, I feel like they'd be one of the three best teams in the AFC. I feel like they'd be right back in that Super Bowl mix here. So, Adam, if they don't get Julio, or do you have any interest in Aguilar? Where's he going to line up? I would imagine he'll be all over the place. It's going to be – this offense is going to be dominated by the tight ends because they both could – do not underestimate John Smith. I talked to a lot of teams in free agency. They just thought he was out of their price range, but they think he has a chance to be really good. I know Hunter Henry's got to play to justify his contract. We know he's an athlete. It's going to be dominated. The target's going to be dominated by those tight ends. Now, they might split them down the middle. We don't know yet. We're way too early with this. Aguilar will get his share of targets, too, because you can move him around. He can play a variety of positions at receiver. Kendrick Bourne is kind of limited. He's okay, decent player. But the thing is, though, John, if you look at their available pass targets, now that Julian Edelman's gone, it's the two receivers and two tight ends. Who else is going to get the football? Right. Aguilar will be your shot play guy, I would imagine, your vertical thread, Greg. I talked with to one beat writer when this signing was made in March saying, well, now we have a quarterback who can't throw and a wide receiver who can't catch. Talking about. Well, uh, I thought Aguilar was better last year. Yeah. I mean, but I think he's a certain kind of player. You know, he's he's kind of a vertical guy. And um, I think he was effective uh, with the Raiders doing that. I think that's kind of what he is. I mean, um you know, he, he's not – I don't view him as a volume target. Um, we'll see. I mean, look, right now, if you look at their receiving core, I mean, if they're going to line up with two receivers, who are the starting two receivers? Would we say it's Aguilar and Jacoby Myers? Either that or Aguilar and Bourne. I mean – I th- I think it's going to be Myers because Myers played outside last year too. Yeah. He's not strictly just a slot guy. Oh, by the way, I could tell you there are teams that think Nelson Aguilar, when he's lined up in the slot, could outrun anybody. The teams grade him for free agency is it to be able to play a lot inside because he's done it before, particularly with the Eagles in 17. Yep. So uh, he's if Cam Newton could get his accuracy back, and I know that's a big challenge, but we'll see. It, Aguilar could be a little sneaky for fantasy. Hey, John, I have a weird feeling about John New Smith here. Um, we've seen how. Belichick has talked about him in the past. He called him the best tight end run after the catch in the NFL. You saw what they paid him. They paid him more than Hunter Henry. Um, And when you look at his production, people are always never produced. That is meaningless to me. Jonu Smith ran a route, I believe, on just like 50% of the Titans passing plays last year. He was into blocks so much. Uh, You know, remember they lost Taylor Luan. Yeah. So like that's meaningless to me. I just have a weird feeling here that this is an example of Belichick going out and getting a player he really likes and really wanted. I, I 
I, I don't know how you feel. Um, the, the Hunter Henry thing complicates matters to me. Yeah, it does. Fantasy. I would not be stunned if Johnny Smith leads this team in targets. Yeah. And I mean, he's very, very gifted athletically. I mean, he, he did again, no knock on Tennessee. They've obviously done well, but I, I thought that John U. Smith, just in terms of how he could be deployed is one of those guys you could line up all over. You could split him out. He, he could be a boundary X. He wasn't really used that way much at all in Tennessee. I mean, you can make the argument that in terms of just athletic skill set, he's a top five tight end in the league. Right. Didn't they Tennessee on occasion would literally hand him the football and run? They did. They actually yeah. did him on a toss sweep two years ago. We were in 57 yards. Yeah. So, no, he's a very, very athletic guy. I mean, Apart- he's. I think your point, Joe, is a very, very good one. I think a part of the reason, too, that Smith didn't really pop with the Titans is Anthony Ferkser is a slot receiver. They line him up in the slot 70% of the time, so Smith has to play on the line. He had to play on the line of screen. Oh, he's going to be a he – was he was more of a Y. Talking to the Titans yeah. about him, they yeah. – one of the many reasons why they couldn't ju- even justify paying him half of his contract that he got, $12.5 million a year, were the Patriots. The pass game goes through A.J. Brown in Tennessee. Now, of course, we'll see if they trade for Julio Jones. They're, they weren't. John Smith would never be a high volume guy with, with Titans. And yes, he's a great athlete. And he's he also has a chance to be a three down tight end for them. He might play a, like he will definitely play more than than the other kid, Henry. Um, yeah, we've got John who I do at 13, 56 grabs would be higher if it were not for Henry. But Greg, I agree with everything you said there. Too. But but Hunter Henry is not going to be like the next Daniel Graham, he's probably going to have three games a year where he's kind of the guy. I could see that. Oh, no, he'll catch balls, but Smith, you know, Smith can do more. Right. Uh, Real quick, Adam, in the backfield, uh, we talked to Scott Zolak. We've talked to a bunch of Patriot people. Uh, He thinks Sonny Michelle is going to make that team, and he he did look pretty good down the stretch. That'd be a little bit of a quagmire now if it's Michelle and Harris and Stevenson – little James White, and, of course, Brandon Bolden's got to make the roster because he's been on the team since the 70s. Um, Sony Michelle, is it going to be in or out at the end of the year, and do you have any interest in any of these backs? I'm kind of out on all of them. Yeah, I mean, White has his role. That's not going to change. As long as Joshua Daniels is there, which he is, he's going to have his, his pass-down role. Uh, Harris and Michelle will vie for the, the, you know, the first and second down back role. We don't know about Stevens yet. We'll, we'll learn more. Bolden doesn't really factor in. He's just a special teams player. He gets, he'll get his whatever he gets per carries per year, but he doesn't really factor in. It's those four backs. Um, we'll, we'll see how it works out. I, I, I find it funny that, uh, and then that kid, JJ Taylor's there who, who made it. Yeah. He's been year, there but... for a number of years. Yeah. Well, no, JJ Taylor, no, JJ Taylor was a rookie that undrafted kid last year. Wasn't he? Hey, he was on there last year, at least. JJ yeah. Yeah. Taylor. Just last yeah. year. But yeah, um, I, I would avoid them all because there's, there's no, they haven't been willing to commit to anyone. And then what we know is even when it looks like Michelle's on the precipice of being that guy, he gets hurt or he just disappoints. Joe, you've been, I kind of liked him last summer. Um, Damien Harris. He was one of my guys to target, but he wasn't bad, but I mean, it's just one of those things where it's just not happening. Cam is vulturing the touchdowns. You don't get any check downs from him. So it feels like every week he ran like 17 times for, 76 yards looked <laughs> solid, but didn't really make yeah. much of an impact. Um, Do you like Harris this year at it, all? It's at least funny. It's cheap. 
it's funny, John, because what you expect the offense, I think it's going to be a run, run heavy offense as is, but you expect the offense to be more run heavy if Cam Newton's the quarterback. The irony is I feel better about Damian Harris for fantasy if Mac Jones is the quarterback because yeah, Damian sure. Harris is going to get goal line opportunities if Mac Jones is the quarterback. So yeah. there's, the, there's that little example of how things would be different. And I think Harris's price right now is fair based on, first and foremost, like, again, this is a guy who looked good last year, you know, and, and there is a chance Cam Newton isn't the quarterback and I like his talent. It's just, is he going to get those touchdown opportunities? Maybe some check down opportunities. Those will happen if Mac Jones is the quarterback and you know, Mac Jones was a first round pick. I, I mean, he was, he was the 15th pick. So you're, you're not talking about like we talk about the 49ers with Trey Lance, you know, trading all that to go up and get him, But I expect I'm going to see Mac Jones at some point this year. Yeah, let's go back to Greg on that real quick. We're going to move on in a moment. But Greg, it does make sense with Mac Jones having great accuracy and, you know, really deals with the football well. And if Cam is throwing inaccurate balls and guys yeah, are open. I, I, John, this is, these are the kinds of conversations I never know what to do with because all we're doing is speculating. We don't have any idea what's going to happen with Mac Jones. I mean, uh, for fantasy, what are you saying here? Who's the quarterback? Well, I'm saying that Cam Newton has always had ball location issues. Cam Newton looked terrible last year. He's getting up there in age and all that. Okay, so so who's the quarterback week one, John? That's to be determined. But my point is, if, if Mac Jones, if Cam is not great, and Mac Jones is the number one pick, these guys play. This would be, in my opinion, a very good environment for Mac Jones. Stay ahead of the down, good defense, run-based offense, play action off that, couple of tight ends. You know, overall, I think if Mac Jones is pressed into duty, if he plays, he's going to be, in the coach's mind, a better option than Cam, and uh, we'll see if we get there. Well, if he plays, he'd only play if they thought he was a better option than Cam. Right, exactly. So what do you think of the situation for a guy like Mac Jones? I think it's pretty good if he's – if he does play, it, it probably would be pretty good if he does play. I just, yeah, I mean, again, it comes down to fantasy. I mean, I don't know what you, I don't know. We don't know. I, I mean, I think Mac Jones is in a good situation, uh, but I don't think he's going into the season as the starting quarterback. Right. Yeah. That's, we don't know. Graham, you could argue right now that Cam Newton is the best value at quarterback. I mean, if he holds the job, he's going to be probably. Yeah. I just, I think it goes back to the Lance conversation we had last week. I just don't think Cam's going to start all year. Even even if he does, I mean, for our game, he is strictly a runner. And, you know, uh, you know, he had the, he's coming off a couple of years with a shoulder injury. And sure, you mentioned the ball location issues. He's always struggled with that. But for our game, man, I mean, over 50% of Cam's fantasy points last year came from running. And you got to keep in mind, that's like, you know, extremely high. Lamar Jackson was at like 40%. Kyler was around 40%. Um, you know, if, if they do run the ball a little bit more with Dame and these, these other two backs, like Cam is just, I just don't really see the ceiling like we used to with them. Yeah. I mean, they do add the two tight ends and Aguilar. Yeah. I mean, the receiving core was pretty damn bad. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. That's what yeah. they're going to do. Um, Joe and Graham, before we move on, I, I like the, the D for fantasy. Cause you know, they were great in 2019 fell off big time. I kind of like them. They're going to get a bunch of dudes back. I've got them at seven. Uh, Joe, uh, ni- ni- I think they're a nice value, don't you think? Yeah, they're, they're fine. I mean, Belichick, you always expect 
he'll scheme some stuff up. Um, Matty Patty's back there, so we'll 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 see what, what kind of influence he has now. I, John, I think that's a good value, and and certainly um, one that you don't have to take before the last round or two of your draft, and that's what we're always looking for. Let's move on to the Jets here. Uh, you are listening to the FantasyPoints.com Virtual Powwow Part Three. We're covering the AFC East and the AFC North here today on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday. June 2nd, we'll be back to wrap it up here. Gang Green here, Robert Sala, Mike LaFleur taking over here for the Jets. And uh, Greg, you know, again, say what you want about Zach Wilson. We'll see. Uh, but it does, everything lines up very well, in my opinion. He was a real nice ball distributor last year and, you know, I guess throughout his career. And they've given him targets. Corey Davis, Mims, I don't know if Crowder is going to make it. I don't think so. Elijah Moore. I don't, by the way, I don't agree with that because they they don't they're in they're in good cap position. Wouldn't you want to wouldn't, wouldn't you want to help a rookie quarterback by having a pretty good slot receiver? Yeah, but maybe they think they got one in Elijah Moore, and you know they do have Braxton Berrios who did some things. Um, isn't it like they could save a decent amount of money though for this year if they they can, but they're not in a position where they need to. Like with Buffalo, they had less than $4 million in cap space, so they, they can't even sign all the rookies right now if they didn't restructure Diggs' contract. Yeah. Whereas the Jets are are fine. They they are, they have $27 million in cap space. They don't need to get Crowder's cap space. Okay. Well, Greg, we'll see about LaFleur and all that, but just, just generally on paper here, it's it's very dissimilar to Sam Darnold, for one. I mean, they've... Well, I like the fit because I thought when I did... Zach Wilson, I thought he'd be really effective in a Shanahan McVay style offense. And with uh, Michael LaFleur there, it's basically that. So I think this is a really good situation for him um, tactically, conceptually, thematically. Um, he's got a really live arm. He moves extremely well. Um, you know, I think they've, they've upgraded their own line. Beckton played well as a rookie last year at left tackle. They've moved Vera Tucker will be their left guard. I think he's a really good player who can be a quality starter from day one. Um, Van Roten's been a solid guard in this league. He came from Carolina. Um, You know, the big question is, is right tackle. Um, They, they drafted the kid from USC a couple of years ago in the third round. Edoga. He hasn't quite panned out. I mean, George fan is still there. He's everybody always talks about how athletic he is, but he's never really become that good a player. So we'll see. But I think it's a better O-line. It's an improving O-line. And then you you deal on the outside, John. You deal with the fact that Denzel Mims, who we liked on tape, he's going into his second year. He's a true X. Corey Davis was a Z in Tennessee. That's what he'll be here. Um, Elijah Moore was one of my favorite wideouts to watch. I liked his tape more than Kadarius Tony. I think Moore is a really good prospect. So there's there's weapons here, and it, to me, it's a good system for Wilson. And some questions at the weapons position, but if it all works out, the weapons are pretty good. Are you a little surprised because you know Lafleur in his history is generally run, run the ball. Are you a little surprised that they didn't invest more resources in, in the running back group and Michael Carter's like that tweener type, uh, obviously nothing like uh, a well, Derrick Henry. But I think, you know, coming from San Francisco, he probably sees, probably sees it as more system based than mm. individual back based. So you look at, at uh, Perrine Coleman Carter, who's a good player and a good prospect. I bet they look at it as, as if they've got backs. 
that they did not need one guy, that they have backs and the system will allow for the success just like the Niners. I'm just not sure, Adam, if any of these guys complement one another all that well. I mean, P. Ryan is kind of like a middle-of-the-road guy. Coleman, I don't even know. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, I right now, I don't. it doesn't sound like they have any immediate interest in adding a back. I, I just find it interesting that they would go with this group. We, we all like Michael Carter, but he's smaller. So you do wonder if Carter's the guy week one, how much volume could he handle at this level? It Because you know they're going to run the ball. If it's, it's a Shanahan offense, they run the ball. So that's obviously why Tevin Coleman's there, because he knows the offense. I just find it interesting that they did not sign a power back, a guy with size. Josh Adams is there, who does have size, but we'll see if he even makes the team. Coleman can't depend on. So it's kind of you're right, John. It's 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 kind of a mystery this run game. I, I I'm my my money would be on Carter because he's more gifted than these other backs, but um, but we'll see. I I I know they're very happy with uh, their offensive line. They and they do believe Connor McGovern can play better their center, who they paid a lot of money to from Denver. It's Greg's right. Van, um, Fant is the guy who who needs to play better. They they gave him a lot of money up front. He needs to play at a higher level. Greg, Michael Carter, back to you. Do do you think he could possibly basically be the guy? Get 180 carries, you know, 30 grabs, something like that, as their primary back. Could be. Working could be, absolutely. I, yeah. I thought he was somewhat similar to Clyde Edwards Hilaire coming out. I think he's a good runner, a very good receiver. Um, but again, uh, you know, not that I'm disagreeing with what Adam said or what you guys are saying, but I don't think they view running back as a position of weakness. I think they feel they have a, a number of quality backs and that's the background of Michael LaFleur. Yeah. Ty Johnson is pretty good too. He's got, he's got some juice. Yeah. John, yeah. Um, he's uh, not, not to say you should be drafting Ty Johnson in the seventh round, but his measurables are remarkably similar to those of Tevin Coleman. Um, now that I don't, that doesn't mean that Greg and Adam can speak to this better in terms of his stylistic, um, usage, but we know Tevin Coleman, I mean, he's being held together by bubble wrap right now. So, I mean, I think Ty Johnson is somebody who, if Michael Carter doesn't take this job or it's some sort of committee, he's not somebody to overlook because he, he, you said he has some juice and I agree with that. Greg, real quick. Um, I kind of like Denzel Mims. I, I like what I saw from him last year. Obviously, it's not a, a huge uh, body of work, but I kind of feel like already that we've seen Corey Davis. He's a little up and down. Looks good some weeks. Some weeks not so good. I kind of feel like Denzel Mims might have already a view him as having a more upside than Corey Davis. I think in three, four years, if things go well for Mims, he's going to have a be having a better career than Corey Davis currently is. Well, I, you know... <laughs> I think sometimes with the receivers, targets, volume, it becomes a function of offense, too. You know, has Corey Davis, quote-unquote, lived up to being the fifth pick in the draft? No, not if you look at his numbers and his production. But he played in Tennessee, which was a clear run-first offense. Now, I know the Jets want to run the ball, but I don't think they'll be as run-heavy as the as Derrick Henry and the Titans. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Mims will be the X, and I like Mims. I think he's got the qualities to be an X. He, he's big. He can run a bit. He can run in breaking routes. And Corey Davis is a Z. And it depends on how much they throw the ball and how much their offense ends up being structured. Uh, 
you know, how it's put together. Um, and much of that will depend on their defense because we'll see how much they have to throw the football. You know, aren't they the same size though? Davis and Mims, like about, I mean, Corey Davis should be a good X. Don't you think? I always he, thought he could be an X, but it didn't quite happen that way. They, um, they, the Titans thought him as a, he was a little bit too finesse, Corey Davis. Yeah, good year. Let's let's call it like yeah. it is. Yeah. They, they, they declined his fifth-year option, and he knew it. He had to have a good year. He did a good job. He's a good player. Look, this guy's yeah. a high first-round pick. He, there's some knocks on him. Look, he never became the player, John, that let's call it like it is. The Titans yeah. thought he would be with, with the Titans. But last year opened my eyes with him. He did a good job. He, he really came on. Yeah, but I think what we're talking about is kind of to know, to my point, you know, like oh, um, bo- bodies—they're both long. They both can run. Yep. Um, Mims really is. Mims is probably better athlete. He's the, based on the coaches I spoke. I think with, he moves a little athlete. bit better. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. uh, unfortunately he had he had strains on both of his hamstrings last year, so he never could become who they thought. Plus, he had no off season. Oh yeah, and and most of his his targets were like uncatchable. Uh, but it's going to be fascinating too. If, if Chris Herndon, remember him, he actually showed some signs of life. They have a this lot of it. last chance saloon. They do final year of his deal. Adam, if Chris Herndon can contribute, dare I say they're loaded at receiver. I wouldn't go. No, the thing is they have with total pass targets. If you, if you add Keelan Cole in there, who's being paid a lot to be a backup. Yeah. Hernan, you mentioned Ryan Griffin, who's been there for a bit. Tyler Croft was a very highly paid tenant by the Bills. It never worked out. You're, in terms of total pass targets, yes. But the problem is none of them, plus Crowder, none of them are A-level. Now, Elijah Moore has got a chance to be their best play- receiver. I, I, Not this year, but down the line, one of the favorite re- uh, receivers for coaches I spoke with for the draft. I know Greg has, Greg has also said he likes him. Yeah, we all love him. I yeah. love Elijah Moore. I love I can't him. wait to see seeing the chemistry that he and that he and um, Wilson uh, develop over time. Right. Well, that's the thing. Number one for me, like who is Wilson leaning on? Who is Wilson? Yeah, showing chemistry well, you with? would think it would be Davis as the veteran yeah. or Mims, but. It's a tough, that's a good question because if Crowder's on the roster, again, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't. This guy's a damn good slot receiver who's a high-volume slot receiver. So, What is be, Crowder's contract situation, Adam? Um, this is it. This is the last year of his deal, and he's making a lot of money at $10 million. Because I can tell you right now, if, it, this is just my opinion, okay? Yeah. Take it for what it's worth. I personally believe that if Moore does well through the offseason – given that Keelan Cole has also been a very efficient slot receiver in this league with Jacksonville, that Crowder could be a cap casualty. Yeah, I agree. He'll be on New England. Well, it's funny. It wouldn't be a cap casualty because they don't need the cap space. But you know what I mean? He could be just. Yes, he could just cut him and they don't owe him anything. Actually, one thing I'll say about his contract, there's no guaranteed money. They could just cut him and get get the cap space back down that they need it. But he's got to earn it. I'll say that. He's got to stay healthy in training camp. We know what he is when he's healthy. The guy is a volume target. Well, they may need to have to sling it and throw it a little bit more than it like because this defense, Adam, is is not good. They, yeah, well, they're secondary. changing it over. Um, Greg, Greg, are you a Carl Lawson guy? What do you think of him? I like Carl Lawson. I think he's a good edge pass rusher. And there'll be a 4-3 now. And I think their front has a chance to be pretty good. With Lawson, Quinton Williams actually had a good year last year. Sheldon Rankins is a good player. Um, you know, C.J. Mosley still there. Hopefully he can have a healthy season. 
Um, Jared Davis, who is very, very talented. I don't know what happened in Detroit, but he's got a lot of talent. Team fit um, with um, Patricia is what I understand. He, he, yeah. He just, um, he you know, the question is their secondary. That's the yeah. issue. And that's a big issue. I'm not, corner. I'm, I'm not saying it's not an issue, but that's a big issue. Yeah. Corner is a big issue, John. Big yeah. issue. If you're, if you're throwing it, you're going after those corners. Yep. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. Fantasy Points.